welcome to another exciting podcast from Sydney Life Church. And now, here's Pastor Tom Ingalls. This has flown off the page at me this week, this scripture. And I want you to go to this because this is just, and I know you've probably read this, Colossians. Uh, let me find it. Um, the book of Colossians, it's incredible. A lot of the times when Paul was speaking to these churches, there was, I mean, there was, there was some incredible things happening in the church. The revelations that they were having was incredible. But at the same time, there was a lot of corrections that had to be made. It wasn't all just 100%, you know. And, uh, you know, this was, this was one of the churches. Ephesians was in, in exactly the same. The church at Ephesians was basically known as an incredible church. I think I mentioned to you, John the Baptist. No, John the Baptist. John was there. The apostle John was at that church. John's, Jesus' mother was probably at that church. Uh, this was an incredible church of people. And yet, so they had revelation. It's like one guy I heard commentating. He says, if, if you were a member of that church and you wanted revelation in the future, you would just went down to the front and you asked Apostle John, you know, Apostle John, just tell me, where are we going? What's happening? Or if you really wanted to know more about the life of Jesus, you just went down to the front and you tapped Mary on the shoulder and you says, Mary, can you tell me a little bit about Jesus? So it was an incredible church. You stand to get a picture for, for a, the, this church. Amen. And yet, in spite of that, it was going through all kinds of stuff. And Paul had to make correction for that. So there's no perfect church, let me tell you, anywhere in the world. No perfect church. Because Ephesians was the best they had. The Ephesians was the best church basically going in the Bible. And yet it had all those problems. And in Colossians, you come to Colossians, and there's, there's also challenges in the church as well. But, but, but Paul is always actually pointing the church to something greater, pointing the church to something future. And he's always saying there's a greater hope. There is something better we can trust in. And I want you all to open up your Bibles. I want you to underline this. I want you to meditate on this this week. And I'm praying that this will have the same impact on you that it's had on me. Because it was pretty profound when I got the impact of this. I could probably have quoted the scripture, but I did not until this week get the impact on it. And this is what he says. He's talking about the preeminence of Christ. He's talking about how incredible Jesus is. And it says here, in verse 9, it says in chapter 1, verse 9, it says, For this reason we also, since the day we, we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. Now this is what I want you to underline. I want you to meditate on this. I want you to see the incredible impact that this one scripture can have in your life. It says there, That you may be filled with the knowledge of His will, in all wisdom, in spiritual understanding. Now, that is incredible. Paul's praying that you may be filled, that you may be filled, not partially, but filled with the knowledge of his will, in all wisdom, in spiritual understanding. If you grab a hold of that scripture, if that hits you here where it should hit you, it'll change your life. That, that you may know the will of God, the knowledge of His will. In other words, God, does that mean that you're offering me the opportunity to know exactly, not approximately, but exactly what you've got for my life? 
Is that what he's talking about here? That's what I believe he's talking about. He's saying, and, 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 it's, and it, the words are profound, they're magnified, they're, they're huge, they're, 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 they're incredible. That you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And then it goes on, it says, you may, may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing unto him, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Forget about that, just get the first part. Because that first part is what I want you to meditate on this week. I want you to get a hold of that, that you can be filled with the knowledge of his will. Yeah. Amen? In all wisdom, in spiritual understanding. That means that when you know the will of God, then you will have the wisdom to know what to do once you're in the will of God. Once you've found that path and you know exactly what you're doing, you've got the will and you know exactly where you're going. God says, then what I want to add to that, I want to add wisdom and spiritual understanding. It's, it's even hard to, to explain what he's talking about there. It's too big. But sometimes we just gloss over this kind of stuff and we think, well, you know, that's cool. That's nice, but it's huge, the impact to that. I wanted to share that with you because it had such a profound effect on me this week. And as I say, you know, I know, I know some of these scriptures. I've read them so many times, can quote them. But the impact, the rhema, the rhema, the becoming alive, amen, is pretty, pretty powerful. Okay, so I thought I would share that with you. Get nothing to do with the sermon. Would you go to Luke chapter 21? We're doing the last one. Have you enjoyed this series? The last one on uh, worship works wonders and uh, Luke twenty one fifteen, Luke twenty one fifteen. I'm going to talk today about an understanding of what singing is. You probably this will be a revelation to you. I can tell you, this will be a revelation to you because the church doesn't really understand too much about this. You know, we sing, but do we sing? But in Luke 21, 15, it says there, For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversities will not be able to contradict or resist. Now, just in that one scripture, what that's telling me is this, that you have incredible authority with your words. I've given you a mouth and wisdom that all your adversities will not be able to contradict or resist. In other words, what comes out of your mouth is incredibly important. In fact, your, your words are your greatest weapon. Amen. With that mouth, what you do, with those words that you form, you bless God, you pray to God, you resist the enemy. It's incredible. Your words resist the enemy. The devil has to obey your words. Isn't that incredible? I know you know this, but... Think about it like you don't, you've never heard it before, because that's the impact I want you to get in this. That, that your words are so powerful that God, listen to this, that God actually obeys your words if they're in line with His word. That's profound right there, amen? Think about that. That the devil actually obeys your words if it's in line with God's word. In other words, the devil can't do anything he wants to do, man. He can't run around just doing stuff. If, if, if he had that freedom, he would take all of us out before Sunday's over. But he doesn't have that power. 
All he's got is deception, and the deception is always, like I told you, the same path that he takes. The wiles of the devil. The wiles of the devil is the one path that he's got. The one path that he's got is the mind. So he gets you in the mind and he says, don't believe necessarily what this word says. Believe something else. And then what he does is, he gets you to take the final step from the thinking to the speaking. So you start to speak death. Because the Bible also says words are the carriers of life and death. Words carry life or words carry death. So you choose what you want. But listen, words are never innocuous. They're never neutral. They, they, they do something. You know, it's interesting, both in the Hebrew and the Greek, um, the word for, for word and the word for, for, for action or, or, or result is exactly the same word. In other words, words are things. Things is the word I was looking for. So words and things in the Hebrew and the Greek are the same word that's used. So what that means is that words actually become things. That's the way God has done it. Your words are going to become something. Whether you like it or not. Oh, that was just, well, you know, I know sometimes I confess over my life I'm sick. But you know, I don't really mean it. Well, well, you know, what's in your heart is going to come out your mouth. The way you speak to people is going to affect your life. The way you speak about people is going to affect your life. You say, well, that person deserves that because she did this or he did that. It, it doesn't, forget about that. It's going to affect your life. So you choose life or you choose death. I choose life or I choose death. It's a huge subject. Amen. So, so that's just a speaking voice. When it comes, because we're going to get on the subject to singing and, and, and praise. When it comes to the singing, you ever thought about the difference between speaking and singing? The difference between speaking and singing is flow. That's it, flow. And it's interesting, the very first musician in the Bible, uh, Jubal, his, his name means to flow. So he got the revelation. God basically said to him, the revelation is you take what's spoken and you convert it to song. You take what's spoken. I love you. I love you. There's a difference. The singing is the flow. So when you start to sing, you're in the flow of something. Amen? When you start to sing, you're in the flow of something. And that's the way the Spirit moves. The Spirit moves. The Spirit is, is wherever the wind may, may blow. You know, We don't know where it, He's going to blow, but there's, there's, you, you get this picture of the Holy Spirit flowing. As soon as you start to sing, you're moving into a dimension of the Spirit. I, I believe that. Amen? It's, it's not just a, oh, we'll sing, man. The devil has made us believe we're just singing and get this over before somebody gets up and preaches. Guys, this singing thing is a bit, and I'm going to show you how big a deal this is to God. It's a big, big deal. Yeah. So when we come and we sing, the way we sing and how we sing and what we sing about is a big deal. Amen? So, your words are never insignificant. They're always Significant. They become things. Now, in Psalm 100, I've noticed this, and I, I, I've never preached this ever before. But singing, singing has actually got, it's associated with presence. So, this is the way God has, has orchestrated this as well. Singing is always associated with presence. 
the presence of God or the absence of the enemy. Watch what it says. It says in Psalm 100 verse 1 and 2, Make a shout, a joyful shout to the Lord, all your lands, all you uh, lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. What does it say? It says, come before God's presence with singing. Amen. In other words, singing is God's welcome mat in a a sense. Come before His presence with singing. You ever thought about this? Why, Why do we do this stuff? Why do we have music ministry? Why? Well, I've, I've written a book. If you want to read that, you can see it. But let me just paraphrase it here. Why do we do all this stuff? What is all this about? It's just to get you out of your lethargy before somebody preaches. I'm not talking to you. I'm just talking. It, it, it's, it's, why do we do this stuff? Why do we sing? Why do we do any of this stuff? Are we just trying to fill in time? What is this all about? Let me tell you what it's all about. We sing... I was going to say because we're happy, and we sing because we're happy. But we sing for the victory. Every single worship song, every single praise song, and some of the writers we have today don't get it right. It's all about us and not about him. But, but basically, everything that we sing about should be about the deliverance that God has wrought in our lives. It is actually victory. You need to sing victory. Hallelujah. You look at the the temple and when God set up the temple, and I wrote the book on this. It's why God had certain people that he set in place as leaders. Kananiah was like the song leader. Uh, uh, Kananiah was a guy. Why did God choose these guys? Because they had a revelation of God's presence and the victory. God just didn't get someone up there and say, well, you're a good singer. Get up and sing and do the best you can because you can sing good. You know, you've got to have someone up there who knows what the victory is, who are actually leading us into victory. Amen? If you don't have a revelation of the victory, you shouldn't be up there. Am I speaking to the right crowd this morning? Amen? It's about victory. Why do we sing? Because thank God we're delivered. Thank we've got something to sing about. We're not doing this just to fill in time. We're not doing this just to use your gifts as a singer, a musician. We're doing this because thank God we're free. We get something to sing about that the other guys don't. Amen. God never ever designed singing for secular enjoyment. Did you know that? All the stuff that happens, and and you know, it doesn't mean that we cannot enjoy singing in the world. I love a good melody. I love a good melody. But God never created, you know, if you look at the, the mindset of the Old Testament saints, they never separate, they never had secular and sacred. The Jews never had those two categories. Everything was sacred to them. So when, when you talked about singing in the Jewish mindset, it was praising God for basically the deliverance. They would go back to Moses' deliverance through the Red Sea. That is basically what they would always go back to. If it wasn't for that, we've got nothing to sing about. Can you see that? So they would always go back to that incredible deliverance. When Moses and them, Deborah and them, they come through, the tambourines they were singing of God's deliverance through the Red Sea. Amen. It is always about that. It's never about just 
anything else rather than victory. So God says, if you're gonna, if you're gonna come into my presence, I know this might sound a little strong this morning. This is my subject. God says, if you're coming into my presence, then don't come in to my presence with a defeatist attitude. Don't drag yourself in and you feel sorry for yourself and all this kind of stuff. God says, okay, I know what you're going through. I know you might be feeling sick. God knows all that stuff. So I'm not saying, um, but what I'm saying is you have to drag yourself out of that place and be victorious. Because God says, if you come into my presence to sing, and he says, I want you to come in with a song, then I want you to be singing about what I have done, not about what you're going through. It's not about you. Just making sense. Some people come in and it's all woes me and are looking for sympathy. You know, okay, we'll give you that. We'll give you the counsel. We'll do whatever we can for you. But come on, man. If we're going to praise the Lord, then you need to drag yourself out of that place and praise Him. It's not about you. It's about Him. Amen. It's about Him. He got the victory. And so did you. Amen. You get the victory. And so did you. It's like God is saying, you know, Tom, you know, do you actually believe that I did it? Did I do it? Did, did, did I do it? Did, did I win? Yes. Do, do you believe I won? You go to England, man. Manchester United. You go to Scotland. Oh, my goodness. Glasgow Rangers, Glasgow Celtic, been there, done that. You should see those guys when they score a goal. You would think that they've got eternity. You know, they go crazy. Why? Because the team scored a goal. Even though they may have lost the game, they scored a goal. So they go crazy. They go daily. Why? Because in their mind, it's a victory. It's, we scored. Or we won. It's even worse. But that's how exactly how it is we got only infinitely more. God says, did I do it? Did I win the match? Did I win the match? Or are you on the losing side? But if you're on the winning side and you have a revelation of that, then you're going to sing. Not just when you come on a Sunday, but when you sing, you sing during the week. Amen? I'm sure some of you, some of you guys have got beautiful voices when you're in the shower or whatever you are, in the car. I'm sure you are. But it's all about victory. Did God do it? If we're not singing when we approach God, it might be because we don't have a revelation of what He's done. It's as simple as that. So, God, God says, okay, Tom, if you've got a revelation of that, here's what I want you to do. This is all in the Old Testament. And He says, I want you to, if, if you think I've got, I've got victory for you, then when did I get the victory for you, and how long is the victory going to last? Because we can waver by circumstances. We can feel like, I'm up at the moment, everything's going really, really great, praise the Lord. And then something happens, and we kind of dip, and it's, praise the Lord. You know? But God says, no, 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 what we've got to do here is, and this is faith. This is what makes you strong. God says, what you've got to do is, you've got to know that the victory is sustained in your life. Irrespective of your ups and your downs, and your ups and your downs. So God says, because of that, 
I can actually ask you to praise me and sing continually. Amen. That's what the Bible says. I'll read it to you. Psalm 104 verse 33 says, I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will, pray, I will sing praise to my God while I have any being. In other words, if you're breathing, you should be singing. I need some help this morning. I feel like I'm on my own. If you're breathing, you should be singing. Come on, man. This will set you free. This will take you to the high place. Amen. This will set you in new ground. If you're breathing, you should be singing. Are you saved? Yes. yes. Did he win? Yes. Did you win? Yes. <laughs> Are you going to get through whatever you're going through? Yes. Yeah. Therefore, you've got to sing. Amen. Amen. Singing releases the power of God. This is, this is powerful. It says in Psalm 21, 13, Be exalted, O Lord, in your own strength. We will sing and praise your power. We will sing and praise your power. Now, the, God's power is always available. It, it, it appears to me from that that perhaps singing releases God's power in a person's life. See, the scripture works like this. It works like this, that God responds to the content of whatever you're doing with your mouth. This is a very important point. God responds to the content of the spoken word or the sung word. That's what he responds to. Amen. It always goes back to the word. So, when you sing, what are you singing about? What is your praise what is it about? In, I mean, in the Old Testament, the guys had to be very specific in terms of the content of what they actually sung. So they would go back to the Word and they would actually sing the, the, the Word. They would take the literal Word and they would sing what had already had, had been written. In the New Testament, we have the freedom to sing from the heart. That's why Paul says we can make melody in your heart to the Lord. Amen? So, so, so God will always look at the heart, although you, you don't always get the word content right. You know. My mother, for example, she gets saved in her later years. She doesn't know the Bible much at all, but she loves Jesus. I mean, she went, she responded years ago to a, a Billy Graham thing, but it was really only in the later years that, you know, she said the sinner's prayer. And uh, I mean, I don't know, but I know that from that time, something, something really changed. But my mom has never been a person who's read the word like we've been taught to read the word. But boy, when she prays, I know that God hears her prayers. Because she prays like she actually believes God listens. So then what God does is God, God overlooks the fact that she has never been, no one's ever taught her the word of God. That's ironical, isn't it? I mean, I've just, Barbara and I have just never been around my mom and dad to really teach them the word of God. But, 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 but she has such a relationship with God, that God overlooks that and God looks at the heart. She doesn't even pray properly. She'll almost like tell God what to do. Doesn't she, Barbara? She'll say, now come on, God. That's, that's no right. You should hear her. You should hear her. That's no right what's happening. I want you to fix it. And that's it. And that's it. 
She doesn't know anything about anything else. And honestly, I look back and I, I always thank God. I look back in her life, you can ask Barbara, what God has done in her life is incredible, man. God has just answered her prayers. She gets stuff answered because God looks at the heart. Amen. But God wants us to use the word where we can, obviously. But he'll overlook a whole lot of stuff. That's his grace. But God's best is that you go back to the word again and you speak according to the word. You sing according to the word. You believe according to the word. Amen? So, listen to this now. I said, singing's good, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna finish in 10 minutes. Singing's got to do with um, presence. Singing, God says, if you come into my presence, come in singing. But the Bible also tells us an incredible scripture here. I'm going to read this to you from the message translation. I want you to listen very carefully to the scripture. It says, remember this, it's Psalm 105, remember this, he led his people out of Egypt singing for joy. He led his people out of Egypt singing for joy. His chosen people marched singing their hearts out. Amen. Amen. So what does that tell us? It tells us then that singing also takes you out of the presence of the enemy. That's an important statement I've just made. Singing takes you out of the presence of the enemy. Because there's a biblical principle here. They were delivered from the Egyptians with singing. God says, come into my presence with singing and leave the presence of the enemy with singing. So singing takes you somewhere. It takes you into his presence and it takes you away from the presence of the enemy. The devil does not like it when you sing the victory of, in God. Amen. So you can't leave Egypt unless you're prepared to sing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You cannot leave Egypt unless you're prepared to sing. Dare I say to those who may be listening beyond the shores of this little church here, dare I say that some of us are stuck in Egypt because we refuse to sing. We're looking for some great man or woman of God to come and lay hands on us so we can get deliverance. But we refuse to sing. And yet God's saying, just sing. You'll deliver yourself. Come on now, man. So we cannot leave where we're bound until we sing. That's an incredible lesson to learn. You might get free here and there, but God wants you to sing. It's, it's a principle in God. It's a principle that is very powerful. So singing will free, free you from every bondage. Did you know that? Yes. It'll always free you from any kind of enslavement. Guys, we're looking for the big thing to happen. The big deliverance. The big preacher. The big laying on of hands. And thank God for all of that. But God's principles are so powerful. This is where we miss it. We're looking for the big glamorous thing almost in Christendom. 
But, but God's word is so powerful. God is actually looking for us to see the small things that he's put in there. The kind of hidden treasures that he's put in there that will work for us if we just believe them and start to do them. And that's where we miss it. We think we've got to have the big thing happening. And God says, no, 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 look for the small things because there's as much power in the small revelations that God has given us as there is in the big ones. Amen? Most Christians actually don't need hands laid on them. Most Christians don't need hands laid on them. We've, we've known churches, we've known pastors, I know I've been there. And, and I'll tell you, men, they are so wrapped up in counseling people, and we, we have to counsel and we have to help people, don't get me wrong. We have to do what we can. But, you know, a friend of ours was in that area, and, and it was like he was wrapped up in that for almost 20 years, counseling every day, dragging himself home every day. And yet when, you, when you look back in that and analyze that, most of those people could have been delivered themselves if they would have applied the simple scriptures themselves. Rather than coming back for counseling session after counseling session after counseling session after counseling session. Listening does you no good. Only doing does you good. That's what the Bible says. So you can listen and listen and listen and listen and listen and listen. But they ain't going to do you much good. And so you start doing. Because you deceive yourself if you, if you keep listening. The Bible says that. You deceive yourself if you keep listening, but you don't do. Amen. Got to be doers of the word. So praise God. So anyway, uh, go quickly here. So there's a guy called Jehoshaphat. This is all going to be in your notes that we'll give out in a minute. But this guy Jehoshaphat, if you read through it in Second Chronicles chapter 20, and I'll just, I'll just go there quickly. Jehoshaphat was surrounded by the, 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 um, the enemy. Three armies. And uh, they didn't really know what to do. The Bible says that. They were, they were surrounded. And, and then they... It says there, and, and they began to sing. The Bible actually says they began to sing. And it says, and the Lord set ambushments again, against the enemies. They only just begun or began to sing. They only just began to sing. And the Lord set ambushments against the enemy. Now, I want you to get hold of this. I know you may have heard it. They only just began to sing. You could take that scripture from Second Chronicles chapter 20. And you could apply that in your situation today. And say, God, as soon as I start to sing. See, you can, you can apply anything that's already been written. And by faith get the same result. Amen. So you could take that scripture and say, I'm going to start singing. And I'm, going to, I'm standing on that scripture. You wrote it, God. Therefore, as soon as I start to sing over my circumstance, as soon as I start to sing, I thank you, Lord, that you've set ambushments against the enemy on my behalf. Isn't that good? You can claim it. If God wrote it, you can claim it. It's yours. It's, your, it's a promise for you. You don't have to mess with it. But you have to get that revelation. As soon as you start to sing, boom, God puts things into action that he's already written. He cannot contradict his own word. He'll never contradict his own word. You've just got to believe it. Hallelujah. Amen. 
They began to sing. It wasn't the music that released the power of God. It was the content of what they were singing. This is important. Because they started singing, Praise you the Lord for His mercy endures forever. So they started singing content. They started singing mercy. We need mercy. Why did they sing about mercy? Because they were surrounded by great armies. Amen? So they needed God's mercy to take them out of that situation. It wasn't God's grace, which is different to mercy. They needed mercy that was going to deliver them from the situation they were in. Favor gives you God's ability to do what he wants you to do, but mercy will take you out of something that's going to get you into a world of trouble unless he's, he, he comes into that situation. A world of trouble. Amen. So, so these guys were smart. It was like, what are we going to sing? Let's sing about mercy because we need mercy right now. Praise you the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. Praise you the Lord for his over and over and over and over. It wasn't that big, big song. It wasn't like 16 verses like we, we do a lot of times today we, we song. It was a simple line. Praise you the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. God, you ain't going to let us down right now in the midst of this. You're going to deliver us. So what happened? God did. God says, you start singing that, boom. Deliverance. I hope someone's remotely excited about that. I think, it's, I think it's really good. It's really good. This is good preaching this morning. I'm enjoying it. All right. Okay. So, so God loves it no matter how bad you feel. I'll give you this last one then, and then we'll, we'll, um, we'll, we'll break for a little tea thing. Um, and then we'll give you the notes. Now, this is good. This is good. I'm wrapping it all up now. King David was one of these guys as well. They sung for 40, 40 years. Um, when he set up the tabernacle of David, and I've mentioned that to you, they sung for 40 years. They did not stop singing. I believe this. You know, I, I was reading, actually, Paul, I must give you that book back, but I, I will when I'm finished it. But you know when they brought back the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem? There's a commentator in that book. She's seemingly a very well-known um, Jewish scholar. She says, when David brought the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, it was of monumental, cosmic consequences. It was cosmic. You know, we just think, oh, will he bring the ark back to Jerusalem? She says, no, no, no. When he brought that, and I started thinking about that. I started, she didn't elaborate on it. I started thinking about that and meditating, and I says, why would that be? Because when David brought the ark back to Jerusalem, he brought the presence of God, and, and he set up in a simple tent, he set up a praise system for 40 years and he didn't, they didn't stop singing and praising God for 40 years. Are you, are you getting hold of what I'm saying here? 40 years. I believe that that act for 40 years was what earmarked Jerusalem as the eternal city of God. Hallelujah. The eternal city of God. In other words, you can do what you want. Jerusalem... Who does it belong and belong? Da, 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 da. Guys, they have no idea what took place there. 40 years God was there. 40 years, not 40 minutes. 40 years they sang praises continuously to God in David's reign. They did not stop. Day and night, it's all there. And I believe that is what, what God says. Whoa. That's why this commentator, it had cosmic, eternal. Do you know that Jerusalem, eternally, will all be living there one day in the new city of Jerusalem? 
Why? Because that place was earmarked by God. Why? Because God's... I feel the anointing when I'm speaking on this. Because God's people actually sat there and says, okay, we, we, we sense this pleases you. So bringing that ark bark back to Jerusalem, we sense this pleases you. This must have been in David's thinking and all those chief guys he had around him. We, we sense this pleases you. So if it pleases you, we're going to sing. So they sang for one year. How's it going? God seems to be pleased. We'll do it five years. How's it going? God seems to be pleased. He's still here. They did it 10 years. They did it 20 years. They did it 30 years. Come on, man. They did it 40 years. Amen? And that's why Jerusalem, I believe, is a very, very, very special place. Because God was there for 40 years receiving, receiving the songs of his people. If, does, does, does God take singing seriously? You better believe it. It's not a 20 minute warm up before somebody preaches. It, it's a serious issue. And, and we, don't, we don't look at it like that here at all. And I thank God our, our worship ministry is not a 20 minute musical warm up. We, we take it seriously. And I'm thankful for the musicians and singers we've got. Musician and singers that we've got. But, so we don't fall into that category. But you know, a lot of churches do. It's not a big deal to a lot of pastors. It's not a big deal. Singing, praise and worship is not a big deal. It's a huge deal to God. God says, my presence is attracted to it if it's real. Amen? So the last thing. So when you're feeling down, God's got a remedy. God's got a remedy. No more getting down. I know you might get through some stuff. We get through some stuff. But boom. But I will hope continually, he says. And I will praise you yet more and more. I will hope continually. And I will praise you yet more and more. So when you're feeling hopeless, what do you do? No matter how bad you feel. You start to sing. With confidence. <laughs> now listen. Some people think that when they sing, everybody loves it. Do you know what I'm saying? And then some people think when they sing, nobody loves it. And you get some people in between who think they're okay. But you get those two extremes generally. Did you say yeah there, Barbara? <laughs> I love you, sweetheart. Shame, Barbara. <laughs> Barbara's the only one in her family who actually can't sing. <laughs> I mean, we've all, re- we've all got really good singing voices, I think, but Barbara is just, it's not just quite there, but she's practicing. Now, but here's the point. The point is this. So, so you know, God says, I, don't put me into that category whether I think your singing's good or bad. I think it's always good. Amen. I'd like some more enthusiasm here. The kids are... This, I mean, God says, I think, I think your singing's always good. Doesn't matter how your voice sounds. Like I told you before, by the time it gets up there, you sound like Pavarotti. 
So, so God says, and here's, here's the more profound thing before we close. Here's the more profound thing. God says, whenever you sing, I'm always listening. You always have an audience when you sing with God. You've always got an audience when you sing to God. Isn't that amazing? You'll always sell records with God, as it were. <laughs> You'll be on the hit parade with God. <laughs> hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word that is powerful. We thank you, Lord God, that we're, we're going to be singers and praisers. And we're going to never stop, Father. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Okay. This has been another podcast from Sydney Life Church. For more teaching and resources, please head to our website, sydneylifechurch.com.